0: Maybe it? Well, it is so good to be with you on Mother's Day, and it really is. Uh, like many of you, this is one of my favorite days of the whole church year, and uh, I like it for a ton of reasons. You know, the funny thing about it, when it comes to Mother's Day, there's not a, another word in the English language that Quite hits the emotions like mom, mother. I mean, it really stirs the emotions in our heart. Uh, there's a lot of different stories, no doubt, in this room this morning. Uh, for most of us, the biblical, the biblical command to honor your mother and your father, that's you. And you love your mom and you have honored your mom and dad. And when you think of mom and dad, it is like, oh, man, it's phenomenal. Glory to God. And then for some of us in the room this morning, when it comes to Mother's Day, uh, there's sorrow in your heart. The reason there's sorrow in your heart is because your mom's not alive. Uh, your mom has passed away. And Mother's Day kind of brings like a mixed emotion. It's like, I love it. But I miss mom, miss mom. Uh, personally speaking, I haven't seen my mom since 1978. So every Mother's Day, I think about, yeah, the mom. And I've learned as the years go by, you know, this thing's not the what, what it used to be. And then for some of us, uh, this day's not easy because maybe you're here this morning and you wanted to be a mom, but for unforeseen circumstances beyond your control, you can't be a mom and there's an ache in your heart. But whatever the reason is, Mother's Day has really it's a special place in everybody's heart because mom is a big deal. And mom is tremendous. And mom's done a phenomenal work in our life and in my life. How many people here this morning, I asked a few questions today. This is going to show how old I am. Remember this if you remember the name of this lady, Irma Bombeck. Okay, yeah. How many have no idea who she is? Wow, Irma. Irma Bombeck. She was a writer, and uh, I mean, it's years ago. She was, I mean, a, a famous writer. Well, of course, this is dated, but it really works. I, I gave you a handout, and I have this in here. And here's what she says and you can read along with me. She says that on the day that God created mothers he had already worked long overtime. And an angel said to him, "Lord, are you going to you're spending a lot of time on this one?" The Lord turned and said, well, have you read the specs on this model? She's supposed to be completely washable and not but not plastic. She's to have 180 moving parts, all of them replaceable. She is to have a kiss that will heal everything from a broken leg to a broken heart. She is to have a lap that will disappear whenever she stands up. She is to to be able to function on black coffee and leftovers. And she is supposed to have six pairs of hands. Six pairs of hands, said the angel. That's impossible. It's not the six pairs of hands that bothers me, said the Lord. It's the three pairs of eyes. She is supposed to have one pair that sees through closed doors so that, whatever she, that whenever she says, what are you kids doing in there? She already knows what they're doing in there. She has another pair in the back of her head to see all the things she is, she is not supposed to see, but must see. And then she has one pair right in front that can look at the child that just messed up and communicate love and understanding without saying one word. The angel said, that's too much. You can't have put that much on one person. Why don't you rest for a while and and resume your creating tomorrow? No, I can't, said the Lord. I'm close to creating someone very much like myself. I've already come up with a person who can heal herself when she's sick, who can feed a family of six with with one pound of hamburger and can persuade a nine-year-old to take a shower. Then the angel looked at the model of motherhood a little more closely and said, She's too soft. Oh, but she's tough, said the Lord. You'd be surprised at how much this mother can do. Can she think, said the angel. Not only can she think, said the Lord, but she can reason and compromise and persuade. Then the angel reached over and touched her cheek. And he said, this one leaks. This one leaks. I told you you couldn't put that much in one model. That's not a leak, said the Lord. That's a tear. What's a tear for? Asked the angel. Well, it's for joy. It's for sadness. It's for sorrow. It's for disappointment. It's for pride. And that's all a mom. Now, mom does all of that. Uh, When you read that, when we just read that, you think stories in your mind that goes back, I can remember mom doing this, and mom doing that. And mom does do it all. On the cover of your handout, there's a painting. I bought this painting. Now, that's not a very good picture, Okay. I bought this painting. I'm going to tell you the story in a minute. It's by a guy by the name of Gustav. Anyone with that name has got to be a good painter. Gustav. And it's about Rizba. Maybe you don't know who Rizba is. You're going to find out today who Rizba is. And as you look at that painting, and it's not a very good copy, what I did, But I'm going to bring the painting here because I just ordered another one because I gave the other one away. You'll find out why I gave it away in about 10 minutes. And so I'm going to bring the other painting here so you can look at it. And it's incredible. It will mesmerize your mind, especially after you know this story today. Now, most of us know about Mary in the Bible, in Elizabeth, Rachel. Rebecca, Hannah, Ruth, Naomi. Uh, but hardly none of us know, knows about this woman named Rizba. Who in the world is Rizba? And why are we looking at this lady's on Mother's Day? Well, I'll tell you why. You don't know who she is. And so you can learn from her. And so in 2 Samuel 21, verse 10, check it out. Look what she does. And Erisba, the daughter of Ai, took sackcloth, that's the painting you have in your hand, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock from the beginning of harvest until it rained on them from the sky. And she allowed neither the birds of the sky to rest on them by day, nor the beasts of the field by night. So the story starts here in Second Samuel, and it starts with King David not Rezba. And if you have your Bible, I think they have it on the overhead where you'll see what's going on. Here's the backdrop. This is important. Please listen. King Saul was dead. And David has now been reigning on the throne. And there was a famine, a famine in the land for three years. Now you got to get this. In the Old Testament when it didn't rain, that's a big deal. When there was famine it was like something's up. Because in Deuteronomy God says, if You're my people, and if you do right, you'll have plenty of rain. If you do wrong, I will withhold the rain, and you'll see that it's judgment. So not having rain in the Old Testament, it's like, this is a big deal. So verse 1, chapter 21, 2 Samuel. Now there was a famine in the land in the days of David for how long? Three years. Now this next phrase is something. Now, the writer's done said it's for three years. So why say the next statement? Year after year. Okay, why would why he say that? There's been a famine for how long? Three years. And then he says, year after year. Why are we putting that in there because you just said three years? I'll show you in a minute. Year after year, and David sought the presence of the Lord. And the Lord said, it is for Saul in his bloody house because he put the Gibbonites to death. Okay, year after year. Now, what's the famine mean in the Old Testament? Bad news. The nation has sinned. Something's up. So it hadn't rained for three years. And it says, year after year, you would think the writer was saying this: After the first year, the king should have said, "God, what's up?" He didn't. On the second year, you went through one year of famine, it's pretty bad. So you plant the second year, and the crops didn't come up. You, you surely would think after the second year, the king would say, "Jehovah." What's up? He didn't. After the third year, it didn't rain. And finally, David said, God, what's up? The reason I bring this up is this reason for 2021. We just came through COVID-19. This time last year, everything was shut down, right? I went out to eat last night. Do you know how long we had to wait? An hour and a half. I thought, not last year. <laughs> last year you couldn't go anywhere, and I can tell we're pretty much back to normal. Hour and a half. Now here's the whole point. We just went through something that generations don't go through for a hundred years. When was the last time everything got shut down? For a year. For a year. For the whole year. When? Nineteen nineteen. We got to go that far back. Nineteen nineteen. For the whole year. The Bible would say this. God said, I hope you're trying to pay attention here. There's something going on. There's more going on than what you see going on. And I hope you don't go year after year after year and say, we're back to normal. We're not back to normal. And if you think we are, We're wrong. We just went through something that we hadn't gone through for close for a hundred years. They went through a famine. You would have thought David would have said, God, what's up? He didn't. Because it says, there's a famine in the land for how many years? Go on, Charles. Three years, next phrase. Year after year. It's like God is saying, okay, David, boom, famine, you didn't listen. Okay, here again. Famine, you didn't listen. Boom, famine, you didn't. Okay, you finally paying attention. So I'm just saying, not the sermon. I'm just trying to show you things happen in life, and it's a big deal, and we can't miss what's going on. Another sermon. So, here's what's happened. The Gibeonites, whom Saul killed in Joshua's day, just get this story, had made a covenant. And the covenant with Israel was this, you don't kill us. Well, Saul wrote that covenant. And he put them to death. So now King David asked the Gibeonites how the Israelites could make atonement for this incident. Look at verse 1 again. Now, there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. And David sought the presence of the Lord. And the Lord said, it is for Saul and the bloody house, because he put the Gibeonites to death. Verse 2, so the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now, the Gibeonites were not of the sons of Israel. They're Gentiles. But of the remnant of the Amorites and the sons of Israel may have covered it with them. But Saul had sought to kill them in his zeal for the sons of Israel and Judah. Thus, David, verse 3, said to the Gibeonites, what should I do for you? How can I make atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? So David is saying, there's a curse on us. There's a curse on Israel. Because Saul killed innocent people. So I'm coming to you, king how can we make this right? Notice what the king says. In verse four, the Gibeonite said to him, we have no concern for silver or gold with Saul or his house, nor for us to put any man to death in Israel. And he said, I will do for you whatever you say. The king said this, not enough gold. We don't want gold. We don't want silver. We don't want land. We don't want any of that. And David says, well, what can I do? So they came back, and notice what they said in verse 5. So they said to the king, the man who consumed us and who planned to exterminate, exterminate. You see, King Saul had a genocide. Here it is. He was trying to wipe out a human race, a, a part of society. He was trying to wipe them out, and it wasn't right. The man who consumed us and planned to exterminate us from remaining within the border of Israel, look what he says: Let seven men from his sons be given to us, and we will hang them before the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, the chosen of the Lord. And the king said, "You can have them." Woe. Verse eight. So the king took two sons of Rizbah, the daughter of Ai. Armani and Mephibosheth, whom she had borne to Saul, and the five sons of Merab, the daughter of Saul, whom she had borne to Adriel, the son of Barzilla, the Methodite. Then he gave them into the hands of the Gimeonites, and they hanged them in the mountain before the Lord, so that the seven of them fell together, and they were put to death in the first days of the harvest at the beginning of the barley harvest." This uh, brings us to verse 10. Now, Rizba, here's mom. Two of her sons are hanging from trees. Two of her sons. Do you know what was a big deal in Israel? It was a big deal in Israel to have a proper burial for their family in the family burial site. It's a big deal for us. Well, her sons are being hung on a tree. Here we go. Don't miss this point. And Rizba, the daughter of Ai, took sackcloth and spread it before on herself on the rock from the beginning of harvest until it rained on them from the sky. And she allowed neither the birds of the sky to rest on them by the day or the beasts of the field by night. So I just got two points. Number one, she was a mother of of perseverance. Get this. Her sons, had they done any evil? No. Had they committed any crime? No. Did they deserve to die? No. I preached this sermon. The reason I'm preaching it today I preached this sermon in February. And I had, that's where my painting went. Remember my painting I told you about? I gave it away that Saturday afternoon. Remember Dylan worked? February? A boy. Dylan was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and the boy took a gun and shot Dylan. Boom, boom. Took a hatchet and attacked him, and he died. They came to me and they said, Charles, will you do the funeral? And I'm thinking, here's a young boy who was shot to death. His body was put in a 55-gallon drum and hauled off and dumped in a river. And I'm going to talk to his family about why, her, why their son died. you know the amazing thing about the bible the bible has an answer about for everything and that day for 30 minutes i talked about Rizbah. and i had that painting up here and i'm going what i'm gonna tell them i'm, I'm gonna tell you and I have that painting up here i said here's here's Rizba. There it is, you see it. That's not a good painting that you have on the front of your cover. Here's Risba. And that mom's sitting there. And she says, Charles, can I have that painting? I said, yeah, you'd have it. She said, I'm Risba. I said, yes, you are. My son did no evil. And he died an unjustly death. I'm Risba. Well, when you look at this, we see this right here. Risba was a concubine. Here's what a concubine means. You have no rights. I mean, you can't do anything. Uh, You don't have any land. You don't have any power. You don't have any influence. You don't have any money. Um, And those who died under this sentence were not granted a burial. So they meant this, if you died under this sentence, if you hung from a tree, do you know how you died? This is gruesome. The vultures and the wild animals took your body. So you're, you're cursed. It says cursed upon anyone who dies upon a tree. That's what happened to Jesus. That's an analogy also pointing to Jesus. Jesus died an innocent death He did nothing wrong, right? It's amazing how the Bible lines stuff up and it backs up with Jesus. And so her boys, in fact, two of these are are hers. Her boys were were not going to be given a burial, which meant this, the vultures would, well, you know, pluck at their skin. The wild animals would attack them. And that's how they died. Rizba was what? A concubine, which meant what? She had no rights. In other words, I'm going to go bury your son. Rizba said, oh, yes, you are. And for three to four months, she put a sackcloth out on a rock. And for three to four months, she didn't leave that place. And she kept the wild birds away. And she kept the animals away. And she said, you're not going to treat my boys this way. Don't you think that when people walked by her, they thought, she's crazy. But you know what that is? That's the love of a mother. Right? That's the love of a mother. That's my son. I'm not giving up. And she, for for, throughout the whole months, in the heat of the day, in the cold of the night, Rizma stood her ground. And she would not let the birds come. She wouldn't let the wild animals come. And she kept the birds away. And people said, have you seen the lady down here in the valley? She's out of her mind. And then some might have said, no, she's doing phenomenal. And some probably said, well, they deserve that. And then some probably said, what a great testimony. Whatever the reason was, she had no rights, no rights. And yet she would not give up because she was going to make sure alone in her defiance. Do you know what her name means, Rizma? Her name means glowing coal. Isn't that incredible? So here this woman is in the dark of night. And her name means glowing coal. And here she is with the moon coming, shining on her, and she's keeping the wild animals away for three to four months. And she wouldn't leave. Well, I look at this. And that day when I did this funeral back in February, I wrote this down. What a vision she must have been, spread on that rock week after week, weary from grief and the task of protecting the sacred bodies that have been dishonored. When vultures came by, she flailed her arms to scatter them. When wild beasts came with an appetite, she drove them away with rocks and and with shouts. And in the heat of the day and the chill of the night, she would not leave her post. Some people probably applauded her courage. And others might have said she was mad. Even though she was made fun of. Even though she was praised. Even though she was pitied. Even though she was mocked. You know what she didn't do? She didn't give up. And you know what about moms? Moms don't give up. Right? Right? they don't give up. That's what Irma said. I first read it, remember? Irma said, moms don't give up. The reason some of you are around here right now, mom didn't, get, mom didn't give up on you. There were people saying, your son's too far gone, your daughter's too far gone, but mom said, uh-uh, I'm not giving up. Not giving up. But do you know what they? You know what your kid's been doing? Yeah, I know. But you know what? I'm praying, and I'm not giving up. And I'm holding on, and I'm praying, and I'm fasting, and I'm believing God. And I want to see God moving my child's life. And I love my child. Yeah, he's messed up, and yeah, she's done crazy stuff. And yeah, I heard they got drunk, and yeah, I heard they're doing crack cocaine, and yeah, I heard they're doing this. But you know what? I'm not giving up. You may give up, and you may give up, and you may say they're no good, but you, that's my kid. And I'm not giving up. And when everybody gave up, you know who was always in your corner? Mom. Yeah. That's why mom, like I said at the beginning of the sermon, for some of you, when you hear the word mom, I honor mom. And for some, mom, Mother's Day, mom's not around, but the, thought, the thought's still there. Mom's so finally, this is what's amazing. Mom, uh, here's what I wrote down. Rizba is every mother who has grieved. She's every mother who has suffered the loss of a child. Rizba is every mother who has learned how to forgive. Rizba is the mother of every fallen soldier in Iran. In Afghanistan and Iraq. Rizba is the mother of every child who has died from starvation in Africa. And Rizba is the mother in all of us. Rizba. There she is on the front of the a painting about Gustav, keeping the vultures away, the wild animals away. You're gonna bury my boy. He died unjustly. I have no rights, but you know what I do have? I got a voice, and I'm determined, and I'm not giving up. So, anyway, what I want to say here is, uh, news finally got to David. Right? Let's read it on. Let's finish the story. Now I'm about done. Second Samuel 21, verse 11. When it was told David that Rizbeth, the daughter of Aiah, the concubine of Saul, what she had done, then David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan and his son and the men of Jabeth gilead and who had stolen them from the open square of Beshon where the Philistines had hanged them. in the day of the Philistines struck down the Saul in, in Gilbeah. He brought up the bones of Saul, the bones of Jonathan, his son, from there. And there they gathered the bones of those who had been hanged. They buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan, his son, in the country of Benjamin and Zillah, in the grave of Kish, his father. And thus they did it all that the king had commanded, and all after God was moved by prayer for the land. And so basically, David said, take the boys down, give them a proper burial, in the last part of verse 14, and God was pleased. Now, who is Rizba? Rizba is the mother who never gave up. The second point is pretty simple. It's a no-brainer, really. Moms just love. Rizba just loved. Uh, For some reason, maybe it's because I'm 59. Uh, You know, can I ask you a dumb question? I love asking dumb questions, just do. Does the devil ever put thoughts in your mind? Like, I'm gonna tell you something, I'm gonna tell you something. This is crazy thought. <laughs> in fact, you may laugh at this thought. I think it's kind of funny. Mom died, my mom died when she was 59. She died on May 18th when I was 59. The devil's been telling me, I'm taking you out. Like your mama, I'm taking you out. She was 59. You're 59. May eighteenth. It's around the corner. And I'm taking you out. Which to me, I could care less. (laughs) So I'm ready. Amen. Death, glory God. To live is great. To die is even better. I'm fine. That's no fear here. But I've been thinking about my mom a lot with Mother's Day. because she died at 59, and I'm 59. And I know, I've told you the story about my mom. I was 16 when she died. My mom, no doubt, had the most impact on me than any person in my life. And I only knew her 16 years. And without a doubt, she had the most impact. I put a quote on Facebook last, last night. My mom used to tell me this on a regular basis. Charles, life is one word. And she would say, what's that word, boy? And I heard it so much, I knew what the word was. And I said, decisions, that's right. Life is decisions. And she said, what are you making in math? Making a D. Whose decision is that? That's mine. Is it the teacher's fault? Nope. Whose fault? Mine. Because it's whose decision? My decision. And she said, Charles, when you get older in your finances, in your relationships, in your family, in your walk with God, it's all one word decisions. If you want to stay bitter in life, whose decision is that? Whose is it? Whose is it? It's your decision right? You can't blame anybody else. So if you want to stay better, that's your decision. If you don't want to forgive people, whose decision is that? That's your decision. If you want to play with, if it wasn't for this, if it wasn't for that, that's my decision. But if I want to say, you know what? I choose to look for the good. I choose to praise God. I choose to give glory. I choose to have a good outlook on life. I choose to say amen. I choose to say I'm sorry. That's my decision. Life is one word. Decisions. Where else learned learning that from? From a mom that had been messed up by sin and got healed by the power of God. Because for the first seven years of my life, my mom told me, on a weekly basis, not about decisions, but she would say this to me, I hate you. I wish you were dead. I wish I never gave birth to you. Heard that every week. You know why? Was my mom got hurt in life. And my mom was messed up. And you know what about messed up people? Messed up people mess up people. And My mom walked in Guilford Western Church in Greensboro in 1960. She had an affair and got pregnant, and she walked down the aisle of Guilford Western Church. And the people said, What's wrong? She said, I'm pregnant. And they said, You're a whore. You're a whore. People in the church can be the meanest people in the world. It's really bad when you got religion in your mean. Isn't it? You're a whore. And my mom got so mad at those people. Woo! She got mad. My mom was a full-fledged choleric like I am. Dear God, she was. And she got mad and she she gave birth to me and she looked at me with disdain. Had no self-esteem. Stuttered like a madman. I didn't love myself. Hated myself. Failed first grade. That was cause of it. All that stuff. Anyway, you know the story. My mom went to church one night, she got right with God, came home that night, Charles, 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 I remember very very clearly, I get up out of bed, I'm seven years old, I remember sitting, sitting on, on the side of the bed with my legs dangling on the bed, you know what I'm talking about? And up comes my mama, she says, Charles, I got some good news. I said, Yeah. what, you got a different mama. I said, oh, okay. Didn't say it, but I thought it, okay. And she could tell I didn't believe her. Mom went in the kitchen, got a basin of water, came in the bedroom where I was, my feet dangling on the bed, got on her knees, took that basin of water, took my feet, took a towel, started washing my feet in that water. And as she was doing that, she said these words. Charles, I've hurt you. I said some ugly things about you. But I'm a new mama, and I'm a new woman. And I want you to forgive you, mama. And for the first time in my life, at seven years old, I heard these words from my mama. Charles, I love you. And that kind of registered. And my mom hugged me. My arms was hanging down by the side. She literally took my arms and put my arms around her neck. For the first time, I really hugged my mom. But from seven years old to 16 years old, my mom was something. Wow. And my mom was manager of Mayberry Restaurant in year for college. She, she, she'd work the, the split shifts, work in the morning, free in the afternoon, work at night. And I come home from football practice, and my mom would have shit from me, my favorite meal. Cube steak, can I have amen? Mashed potatoes, Lord of God. Broccoli with cheese, yes. And two RCs. Loved them. And every day monday through friday my mom now she smoked camel cigarettes that's why she died to her and she smoked damn dog on camels with no filter and she sat down in front from the table in front of me and she said charles let's talk about life and every day she talked about life charles life is decisions life's not easy you're going to get hit in life you're going to get hurt in life yeah And then the night before she died on May 17th, I remember it at 10 p.m. that night, you know what I was watching, I think? Hawaii (laughs) Five-O. Book them, Dan-O. And I remember I was walking through the living room and my mom was laying on the couch and she said this. She said, Charles, I won't be here tomorrow. I said, yeah, okay. I didn't know. And I love Libby Hill seafood. And she gave me a $20 bill. And as she was giving me a $20 bill, she said, now listen. She says, uh, I want you to give this right here to your aunt. And I want you to give this right here to your other aunt. And she had eight brothers and sisters. And give this to your, to your uncle. Give this. And I listened. I thought nothing about it. Went to school the next day. Got a call. Loudspeaker Charles Moses coming to the office at 1130. I walk in, there's my football coach, my Aunt Ruby. My coach says, Got bad news, CC. Your mom died. Oh. And I went home. Ambulance there, fire trucks there. I thought, man, what happened to my mom? Massive heart attack. She died. This is not funny, but I think it's kind of funny. She died making up my bed, <laughs> and there she was in the floor. Man, Anna called <laughs> Pennsylvania. Hello, this is when you had the old phone, you know. Hello, Charlie, we talking to your mama? Can't. Ah, put her on the phone. Can't. Mom's dead. Ah, oh, you're crazy no she's dead <laughs> hung up went in the bedroom where my mom lay remember it got on my knees didn't know god and i looked at her and i said these words didn't have a didn't have a dad no brother no sister just me and i said why'd you leave me what am i gonna do I'm a sophomore in high school, have no place to go, no place to live. How am I gonna pay the rent? Power bill. And then I said this, but mom it's okay. Cause you know why mom? I would have said this at seven years old, but at 16 I said, mom it's okay, you know why? I'll always love you. bent over, kissed her forehead. And I remember I raised my hands in the air and I said, if people are going to die, why are we even born? Good question. And I fell on the bed and cried for 30 minutes with my dead mom on the floor. Years later, 1980, I give my heart to God. And I would have to say this, all things work together for good. The death of my mom was one of the greatest events of my life. Isn't that crazy to say? How can you say that? Because God turned that bad stuff into something good for my life. And I guarantee for Rizba, don't know nothing else. God turned it in a good way. He's that kind of God. Amen? So, this time last year, we was home with a mask on and afraid to move. But this year, here we are in 2021 with Jerm with a back problem. And we're in the house of God and we're celebrating Mom. And Mom there's no one like you, no one like you, irreplaceable, and you may feel like today, but if my, own, if my kids only acted that way, right? well, sometimes they don't see you, but don't worry, we have a God in heaven Who's always on the lookout, and he'll take care of it. Amen. All right. Bang, come on up. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, Rezba. Rezba. What a name. I pray in Jesus' name the Lord, people today would leave this place. First of all, we want to say thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord, I guess for the gift of being a mom, it's phenomenal. And uh, Lord of God, all right, look at me. I tell you what I do sometimes. I don't always do this. Now, if you're here this morning and your mom has passed away, just raise your hand a lot of moms for that store I wasn't expecting don't see that there's <laughs> a lot of lot of hands with us <laughs> I think about five <laughs> that's what I was looking for yeah here's what I do according to Revelation 6 people in heaven are very much aware of what's going on they can talk. They can communicate. They know, according to Revelation 6, they know how they died. They know about us. You see it in Revelation 6. They know about you. They know who you are. And they are a lot. Isn't that good? Now, I, I can't go to God and pray, Lord, and call my mom's name out. That's not, that's not scriptural. But i tell you what I do. Especially on Mother's Day. I said, Lord, he's listening right now. Lord, you know where my mom is? Right now, bring my mom to your side. And Lord, tell my mom how much I love her. Tell my mom I'm holding on. Tell my mom I got some grandkids and some kids. Tell my mom. And I really believe in my heart, God says, Come here. Your son wants to tell you something. Isn't that great? Yeah. So Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The Lord will we Live in you. Our moms are still alive. In fact, they're more alive now than they've ever been. So between now and then, help us to live a life that brings honor to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Let's all stand.